Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. Do you want to win a $100 Amazon gift card? Well, enter your five-star review on iTunes for the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast and email it to me, hillary at pharmacyadvisory.com between now and January 1st for your chance to win the $100 Amazon gift card. Or take a screenshot and post it to Instagram and tag us at Talk to Your Pharmacist. Either of those ways will make sure you're entered to win. And now to our episode with pharmacist-turned-writer, blogger, and podcaster, Megan Nicole. Today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Megan Nicole, is creator and founder of The Lazy Millennial, and that's lazy with an I if you're looking for that. She describes herself as millennial advocating, freelance writing, and pill slinging. So we're excited to have Megan on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Welcome. <laughs> thank you so much, Hillary. I'm really glad to be here on the podcast today. Well, thanks for being here. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro and maybe share a bit about your personal life. Absolutely. So again, I'm Megan Nicole. I'm originally from Columbia, South Carolina, but I've been living in Atlanta, Georgia for uh, the past 11 or so years. And uh, traditionally, I worked as a public health pharmacist, and I was specifically supporting the, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention as a contractor. And I had several different roles while I was at the CDC Um, But as of August, I stepped back from that position and went into my writing business full time. Um, My writing business is called Stock Rose Creative, and I do healthcare copywriting and consulting. Um, So in in many cases, that involves the writing, which is usually website copy, email marketing copy, or blog posts. Those are my three specialties. Um, But for some companies or organizations, they need more assistance with the strategy and figuring out how to connect with their target audience um, through those different channels. And so I assist with that also. Um, Through Stock Rose, I work with all types of health companies, but my specialties are digital health organizations and independent pharmacies. Um, So that's like one half of my life. And then the other half of my life is, like you mentioned, Hillary, Lazy Millennial. Um, Lazy Millennial started off as a as purely a blog and a YouTube channel um, that is dedicated to helping multi-passionate millennials build creative and profitable lives that they love, not merely tolerate, not merely like, not merely put up with, but lives that they actually enjoy, um, that they actually enjoy. And as of October, that platform has expanded to include a podcast. So 
So there's now a podcast component. It's called the Lazy Millennial Lounge. And I talk to millennials who are in the process of building that creative and profitable life that they love. So that takes up a lot of my time. But my little two-year-old boy also takes up a huge portion of that time, as does my husband. Um, And so it's really fun to balance motherhood and being a wife with being a business owner and a podcaster and and several other things. So I hope that was a good a good lens into what goes on in my life. It sounds like you're staying busy. Which oh my is God, fun. yes. <laughs> Understatement. Well, so Megan, I guess first maybe we can talk a little bit about Lazy Millennial. You shared a little bit, but tell us more about, you know, like kind of your journey on how you got started with the lazy millennial, what, what it exactly means and why focus on millennials? Yeah, those are all great questions. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a millennial. And so having grown up in this generation where we get a lot of bad press, um, people like to like to talk about millennials and the things that we do or don't do in a negative way. And I was just a little disillusioned by that. I was, I was frustrated with it because um, I attended Emory University for undergrad, and then I attended Mercer University for pharmacy school. And the millennials that were around me, like my peers, were all doing amazing things in the world. And I felt like those things weren't being highlighted, that all we were seeing in the press was a lot of negativity and millennials are lazy and entitled. And that wasn't my personal experience or my personal um, that that wasn't my personal observation either. And so I wanted to create a platform where m- millennials, especially multi-passionate millennials, um, could come together and support each other, encourage each other, and uh, highlight each other in a positive way. And multi-passionate, that's a word that some people aren't really familiar with. Honestly, I wasn't either until several years ago, but I was so relieved when I heard it because I realized that I wasn't the only person out there who didn't have or didn't feel like she had one true calling. Like there are so many things that I feel like I was put in the world to do. And I would like to do as many of them as I possibly can. And I understand that not everyone is is like that, but many people are and many millennials are. So Lazy Millennial, the name, a lazy eye millennial, was kind of a play on the derogatory term lazy, a lazy Y millennial that I feel like is is sort of out in the atmosphere alike uh, a lot. And my reason for for calling it that name was to sort of rebrand and reclaim ownership of what had come to be a negative um, label on millennials. So, you know, you want to call us lazy millennials? Fine, sure, we'll be that. But we're going to be lazy millennials in our own way. And that means being multi-passionate and committed to creating a creative and profitable life that we are in love with. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Um, And so, Megan, you know, you are definitely talking a lot about passion, and that just kind of exudes from you, um, talking about multi-passionate and following all these different creative outlets. Um, So you obviously have a passion for writing. Mm -hmm. Um, So how? explain a little bit more about how you made that transition from working as a pharmacist full-time at the CDC to writing. Yes. So um, 
when I, before I started pharmacy school, when I was still an undergrad, I had a really cool work study job. It was, um, it was supporting a website called Cancer Quest, which is a cancer education website for patients and caregivers. And my responsibility in that position was to maintain and update our drug reference or our drug database on the website. So I had to to research the drugs, make sure that if any changes or trials or new studies and research had, had come out, that our website reflected that. And so I was exposed to that was my first time being exposed to medications in that level of detail. And it was a writing based exposure. That makes sense. And so going into pharmacy school, I knew that I didn't want to practice as a pharmacist. I didn't go to pharmacy school with the intention of practicing in the traditional sense. I went literally just to learn more about drugs. And I wanted to see how I could apply that knowledge to a public health setting. It just so happened that writing is an activity that I've always enjoyed and have always been passionate about. So I was finding that throughout my pharmacy school years and even in my recent postgraduate years, most of the roles and the opportunities that I was able to take advantage of were based in writing. Um, I was selected as a fellow for a summer fellow at the CDC while I was in pharmacy school, and I was able to um, I was able to become a published author for the first time in that setting. Um, and then I did a postgraduate fellowship, um, industry fellowship, sponsored by Purdue University and Janssen Scientific Affairs. And I was um, focusing on drug information and medical information, which was heavily steeped in writing. And um, while I was working at the CDC most recently, I started to feel a little limited in the variety that I had because my position was regulatory. So that means I was combing through the code of federal regulations all day and the the primary audience that we were writing for was the FDA. So it was very formal and scientific and academic in nature. And that was a great experience, but it didn't encompass the full variety of writing that I wanted to be exposed to. So I had been... Um, working for some health companies on the side, just kind of as a side hustle, if you think about it that way. And I was getting paid to do that. And then I thought, well, if I could make enough money to cover my monthly expenses, getting paid to write for health companies, then I could replace or not necessarily completely replace immediately, but I could at least afford to pay my bills without having to have this full-time job on the side. Um, so I was a little reluctant about it. Like I knew that it was a possibility, but I wasn't sure that it was something I should do with a home and a husband and a two-year-old. Um, but I talked to my husband about it and he was incredibly supportive and essentially gave me the push that I needed to take that full time. And um, it's been a little over three months now. And it's been an incredible journey so far. I've been able to work with some really great people and support organizations that are seeking to change and improve the healthcare industry. And, and so I still get a little bit of that public health feel from that perspective, um, but I'm able to write in, in all types of different ways and be more creative with it, even though it's still health related. So that's been the best thing for me so far. Yeah, interesting. And so your first blog was your friendly public health pharmacist. Yes. Um, so is that still active? And what types of things do you write about there? 
It's not. So I, I, people ask me that all the time, actually, because I created that blog specifically for my family and my friends. I felt, um, even when I was in pharmacy school, I always felt that if people had access to health information that was interesting and engaging and relevant to them, they would be more inclined to read it and take it in and act on it. I firmly believe that there is too much health information out there that is boring, it's dry, it's not engaging, it's too complicated. People don't want to read it and they can't understand it. So my goal with your friendly public health pharmacist was to provide health information that I, that was actually interesting to read and that was accurate to counter all of the crazy quote unquote health information that is floating around on the internet and especially on Facebook, which frustrates me to my core. So that was why I created that blog. And it ended up, um, what I tell people now when they ask about it is that I don't publish blog posts on your friendly public health pharmacist anymore. That sort of transformed into my actual writing business. So now instead of writing for the blog, I write for other health organizations' blogs or, you know, other um, media that they have where they convey health information to people. But it was a great, uh, it was a great outlet while I had it. I was doing that on the side while I was working at the CDC as well, trying to get a little bit more of that creative writing um, going to sort of balance all of the regulatory writing that I was doing at the time. Yeah, I love that. And I think we're, we're seeing more of that, that, you know, with these health coaches and things and people are turning to the internet to get their health information. You know, for a long time, there's been WebMD or, you know, things like that. So having, um, you know, a pharmacist focused, uh, writing or, you know, information out there sounds really neat. So I love that you did that. Um, so Megan, now are, you know, most of your articles still pharmacy focused and, and how do people find you if they, if they, you know, want you to write for their different article? Like, do you have a pretty steady flow of that, like a consistent thing or is it one-offs? Just kind of give us a little more insight into maybe your schedule with writing too. It's definitely consistent now. Um, it was very important to me when I, when my husband and I decided that I would not renew my contract that I had a certain amount of income coming in consistently each month. And so about three months out from when my contract was going to end, I really, really ramped up and scaled up um, my marketing efforts so that I could try to get more clients. And that actually ended up working way better than I expected. And so the first month that I was on my own full time, I was so busy, like I was almost stressed out because I had so many clients and so much work that I almost couldn't handle it all. I thought I was going to have to get a freelancer to help me freelance. Um, but now it's sort of leveled off to a place where it's more manageable. I work with about, about uh, I would say, seven to nine clients right now. Some of them are on retainer, which means I work with them every month. And then some of them are more so as needed. So whenever they have a need or whenever I have time, I will write something for them. Um, people can reach me. I'm on. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Megan N. Freeland on LinkedIn. So that's a great way to get in touch with me. I also have a website, 
MeganNicole.com, and that's M-E-G-A-N-N-I-C-H-O-L-E.com, where you can see um, more about who I write for, what types of companies I've, I've written for, and what types of writing I do. Um, I would say most of my interaction with potential clients or actual clients happens on LinkedIn. And that's, that's sort of my favorite place to be because I think a lot of professionals, especially in the healthcare space, are there. And that's where they're looking for, for help with some of the initiatives that they have going on. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. It's helpful to learn a little bit more about the background for, um, you know, there's all different types of uh, alternative career paths for pharmacists. So uh, very fun. So Megan, how do you stay current about what's going on in healthcare and more specifically within the pharmacy field? Like how do you get all of your content to write? Yeah, it's, that's really important, uh, staying current because my clients, their goal is to be current and to be relevant so that people will want to, to read their blog posts or go visit their websites. So I found that podcasts are a, a helpful way for me to stay current and abreast of what's going on. I do still read articles here and there, but podcasts are interesting because I think you get a more in-depth, um, exposure to what's happening. You get the benefit of dialogue between the guests or the hosts and just a little bit more information. And also it's something that you can listen to while you're doing other things like driving. Um, When I pick up my son or drop him off to school, I can listen to that. Or when I'm throwing a load of clothes in the dryer, cooking, things of that nature. I really also like attending conferences and in-person meetings when I can. I must say that I that's one of my goals for 2019 is to attend at least two professional conferences, whether they are um, in the digital health space or pharmacy conferences, which I hope to do one of each. But um, since 2015, which is when I um, which is when I did a postgraduate fellowship. And so I had to go to. Uh, some of the larger conferences in order to interview. That was such an intense process that I've kind of taken a break <laughs> from going to conferences. But I think now I'm at a point where I'm ready to sort of get back in there and um, do, you know, some CEs and just learn about some of the current things that are going on in pharmacy. Absolutely. Yeah. Any particular conference or podcast that is particularly a favorite of yours? I love, um, I love the non-traditional pharmacists because it, it, it gives me some exposure to what other pharmacists are doing in a more non-traditional space. I also listen to Rx Buzz a good bit. The others I listen to are more so general healthcare. There's one called Digital Health Podcast. And um, Sawbones is another health podcast that I listen to. It's mainly for entertainment purposes um, and just general knowledge. It's a husband and wife team that discuss the history behind certain medical treatments and conditions and things of that nature. But there is like a humorous aspect to it, too. So it's so it's engaging. Yeah, interesting. Well, what excites you most about the future of pharmacy? Oh, this is a tough question. I'm excited about the future of pharmacy because I think that humans were naturally reluctant to change. And especially pharmacists, I think that in our breed, there's a certain level of predictability that we like and crave. 
But right now is a very unpredictable time, especially in certain areas of pharmacy. And I can tell that many of many of our peers and, and other people in the profession are feeling the strain of that unpredictability. And I know it's not a good feeling, but the, the silver lining that I see in it is that unpredictability forces change and it forces you to adapt. And I have confidence that pharmacists will will be able to change and adapt in a way that um, in a way that puts us on top at the end. And so I'm excited to see what that's going to look like when it's all said and done. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I, I believe that we're going to make it out on top and I'm excited to see what that is. Yeah, I agree. I think healthcare is just really um getting hit with a lot of change, which is good. Um, you know, trying to keep up with medical knowledge, I think in the 1900s, something new happened every 50 years and then it was every 20 years. And then now it's almost daily that we're receiving, you know, new information, um, and, you know, new studies are being, uh, conducted and, and bringing to light some new things. So it is a really exciting time and, and you definitely hit on something that change is inevitable, but I think that the profession is, is certainly poised to be in a great position for the future. So Megan, as our final question, could you share some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? Yes. Um, my, my number one piece of advice would be to get skills outside of pharmacy. It's, I don't think that you are fully serving yourself if you only come out of pharmacy school or a pharmacy residency or a fellowship and you only have pharmacy experience. I just don't think that it makes you as marketable anymore. And, you know, you can argue about whether that's good or bad. It is a reality, I believe. And so I, I would encourage you to think about what skills you have that you do well. Do you write? Do you teach? Do you speak? Do you draw? You know, don't lose your creative side. And this is a little bit where the lazy millennial and the pharmacy connect. I really encourage pharmacy students and young pharmacists to not lose your creative side and your abilities because that's going to help you stand out in a sea of pharmacists. And it's, it's going to give you an advantage in whatever career it is that you find or that you create. So that's my biggest piece of it. I love that. And it's clearly served you well. So you've got all the training with pharmacy, but you're able to use some of those other skills and strengths uh, to be able to create the type of uh, path that most interests you. And you're still serving, um, serving patients and other pharmacists uh, through writing. So it's really fascinating. Well, Megan, it's been such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. It's been really fun, Hillary. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. And thanks again to our sponsor, TheraWorks Relief. Could make for a great Christmas gift if you've got someone who has muscle cramps because this stuff really works well. I'm taking it with me on our ski trip to Breckenridge. And for any students who are getting ready for residencies, I've got another live webinar that we're hosting online to help you prep for your interviews. We had great 
feedback from our first online workshop for this, and we're offering a second date. This is focused mostly on interview questions and how to prepare and do the best that you can do on interview day. And that is going to be on January 15th at 6 p.m. Central. And to sign up, we have a place for that on www.pharmacyadvisory.com under resources. And be on the lookout on our Instagram page at Talk to Your Pharmacist. We'll be providing details about the workshop on there as well. Don't forget about your chance to win an Amazon gift card. It's Christmas time and you're probably needing to get some gifts. So be sure to share your five star review with me via email to hillary at pharmacyadvisory.com or take a screenshot and tag us at talk to your pharmacist on instagram we look forward to hearing from you thanks for listening to this episode of talk to your pharmacist produced by the pharmacy advisory group if you liked this episode let us know by subscribing to the podcast rating and reviewing it share it with friends And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.